Hello, and welcome to a bonus episode of Anthology, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. I'm your host, Matt Hurt, and if this is your first time listening, Anthology is one man's examination of the Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer. Each podcast, I share my first impressions, analysis, and overall thoughts on Rod Serling's iconic series one episode at a time. However, in this bonus episode series, I'm reviewing the fifth season of the technophobic sci-fi anthology series Black Mirror, created by Charlie Brooker and produced by Brooker and Annabelle Jones. You can find more of anthology as well as a full episode archive, including archives of all of our, all of my bonus episodes as well, at anthologypod.com. And if you want to contact me, you can use the Facebook page at facebook.com slash anthologypod. Tweet me at OVAnthologyPod, or send me an email at matt at obsessiveviewer.com. Today on the show, I'll be discussing Striking Vipers. It's the first episode of Black Mirror's fifth season that premiered back in June of 2019, on June 5th, 2019, on Netflix. Um... Yeah, so I'm just going to kind of dive right into it. This is a bonus episode, of course. Um, I'll talk more about this later in, in my next episode. But thank you guys so much for uh, reaching out and letting me know that you enjoyed me coming back and everything. Um, I'm glad to be back. Um, yeah, so plot summary for Striking Vipers, uh, courtesy of IMDb, is two estranged college friends reunite in later life, triggering a series of events that could alter their lives forever. And I'm going to go ahead and play a clip from the trailer. I think there was a trailer <laughs> uh, right here. You know the thing about you. Sometimes you just sort of go away. There's something going on. Something going on. That's what I said. Not one minute more. Nothing is going on. All right, and of course, I'm going to be spoiling Striking Vipers uh, throughout this review, so fair warning, it's available on Netflix. Go watch it and come back and listen to the review. But uh, let's start with the talent rundown of Striking Vipers. Um, this episode stars Anthony Mackie as Danny, who, of course, is Falcon in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, one of his first credits, though, that I, that I know him from is uh, 8 Mile. He played Papa Doc. Um, and it's interesting in 2011, he was in two movies, uh, in 2011, he was in the adjustment bureau, which I just recently watched. It was pretty good and real steel. And why that's interesting is that the adjustment bureau was a Philip K. Dick adaptation and real steel was based on a story, I think from, uh, from Richard Matheson. Um, and I believe that that story was also an episode of the twilight zone, but we'll get to that eventually. Um, Anthony, <clears throat> Excuse me. Anthony Mackie was also in IO uh, last year on Netflix. It's a sci-fi movie with, um, oh, I can't remember her name, but she was the daughter in The Leftovers. Um, I haven't seen it, so we'll, we'll see. Um, and then finally, rounding out his credits, Anthony Mackie was also this year in Altered Carbon Season 2, also on Netflix. Uh, co-starring or also starring, which is the same as co-starring. Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen II as Carl. Um, he was Manta in Aquaman. He was also in Watchmen on HBO. He was also, uh, Adelaide's dad in Us in 2019. And he will be seen again in Candyman. 
coming up coming out this year, provided COVID doesn't destroy everything. Um, and next year he will be in the Matrix Four. Now I think I read somewhere that his his part in the Matrix Four is actually going to be the lead. Um, I can't confirm that because there's not much information about it, but that's pretty exciting because he's a very talented actor, and I'm curious to see what that's going to look like. Um, also rounding out the cast or also in the cast is Nicole Bar- uh, wow, Barari. Um, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly as Theo. Um, she was in the movie 42 in 2013 playing Rachel Robinson, Jackie Robinson's wife. And she was also in Sleepy Hollow on TV. I think that was a Fox show, uh, for a few years. Um, and as Roxette is Pom Clementif, uh, Clementif. Uh, these names, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, uh, she's Mantis in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. She was also in Spike Lee's Old Boy remake from 2013. And recently she's appeared in Ingrid Goes West in 2017. Um, Uncut Gems in 2019. Uncut Gems is a really good movie. I don't remember her in it. Um, that movie is just chaotic. It's anxiety. 211. It's it's a crazy movie. Um, she's also in Westworld Season 3, and uh, she will be in Mission Impossible 7 and 8, uh, which is coming out, I want to say, next year, but who knows when anything is coming out again. Uh, and then rounding out the cast is Ludi Lin as Lance. Uh, he is, he was in the 2017 Power Rangers movie. He was also in Aquaman as Captain Merc, and he was in an independent drama called In a New York Minute uh, last year, which I actually saw at Heartland Film Festival um, last year. Uh, I actually wrote a review on ObsessiveViewer.com. I'll put a link in the show notes if you're interested. Um, yeah, but that's the cast. Writer for this episode was Charlie Brooker, and he had this to say about... Um, kind of the the uh, the impetus of this episode uh this comes from an interview that he did with ew he said um when it quote uh he is asked about the influence of video games and everything um as in as uh inspiration for this episode he said quote when you actually compare the actual physical characteristics of characters in those games to actual human beings they're insane they're like a sexualized hulk once again it came out of two thoughts the first was we wanted to do a story where two people went to into a virtual environment and had a romance but didn't know who the other one was And then I remembered years ago in the 90s, I used to play Tekken on the PlayStation a lot. And my flatmates and I would play it all hours of the night, all all hours of the day and night. And I remember thinking the people below and above our flat must have thought we were operating some sort of S&M dungeon because of the constant noise of men making shouting, shouting, grunting noises. And I thought there was something homoerotic about this arena in which you're physically grappling with your friends on the screen. There's something weirdly primal about it. Um, end quote. That comes from the EW interview. I'll put a link in the show notes, of course, and I'll be referring to that later in this episode as well. Uh, director for this episode was Owen Harris. This is his third Black Mirror episode following season two's Be Right Back and season three's San Junipero. Um, he also directed the Twilight Zone 2019 reboots premiere episode, The Comedian. Uh, you can check out my bonus review of that on the feed as well. So, Striking Vipers. Um, I'm, I'm just going to dive right in. Again, this is going to be a spoiler-filled review, so fair warning. I'm going to be spoiling Striking Vipers, and it's going to be a deep dive into the into the episode. So watch it, come back, listen to it, or continue listening. Um, <laughs> thank you, I guess. 
Okay, so right off the bat, Striking Vipers, this is one of three episodes that was released last year for Black Mirror Season 5. Um, I was hoping for more episodes, or I was hoping for at least a Christmas special, but that never came to pass. I don't know if we're going to get more episodes. There hasn't been news or anything like that. But I will say that the my immediate thought when I started Striking Vipers, and when I first saw Striking Vipers, it was June 5th, 2019. Um, this was right after I finished up my uh, season... Uh, review of the Twilight Zone 2019. And that was like, I was living and breathing that reboot series um, for weeks, really. And jumping back into Black Mirror immediately after kind of just surrounding myself with the CBS All Access version of Twilight Zone, one thing struck me so hard, and it's going to sound like a dig against the CBS All Access uh, Twilight Zone series, which I don't mean it to because I was pretty favorable on the series as a whole. Um, and especially in, in the cacophony of negative feedback that it faced when it aired. But immediately when I started Striking Vipers, I just was kind of washed over with, oh, this is like really good character driven drama, um, dressed up as science fiction anthology. Um, and what I mean by that is that the, the human component of Black Mirror in general is so at the forefront. Charlie Brooker and Annabelle Jones and their whole team do such an incredible job of creating these characters, creating these realistic and realistic interactions in this hyper realistic, um, science fiction setting. And that's the kind of crown jewel of Black Mirror. And I noticed that immediately upon starting Striking Vipers that, okay, this is, for better or worse, this is how you do, um, for better or worse compared to Twilight Zone, I should say, uh, 2019 Twilight Zone, uh, for better or worse, this is how you do characters. And I was just really taken by, uh, how the characters were set up. So one of the kind of themes of the episode before I go into like my beat by beat review is that I wonder how much of it is about being comfortable with who you are. That's what kind of, that's the question that kind of came up as I was rewatching it several times. Um, so this opening scene where Danny and Theo are role playing in their twenties, um, at their kind of what is, I'm presuming to be the start, the start of their relationship. Maybe not necessarily the start because there's nothing really concrete to show that it's a young relationship, but it is early ish. Um, so I just found that their role playing at the bar was an interesting reveal. It seems like they're already kind of, I don't know, they're already, in that comfort zone. They're already in that, that, uh, I, I kind of feel like their reception to this weird role play thing that, not weird, but this flirty role play thing that they did at the bar is more indicative of like, okay, well, maybe the passion is already kind of losing out, but I, I don't know. And maybe not, maybe that's not fair. Maybe it's more that they're just, uh, content at this point. So anyway, so the, that leads me to my question of, is it, is the episode solely about keeping or is there is there their arc in the episode I should say is it solely about keeping the passion in a relationship that where the passion has faded as time has gone on or are they fundamentally not really right for each other or is there a time limit to their compatibility or the relationship as a whole and that's something that I kind of wrestled with because I feel like maybe I'm putting more into it than uh than than what's there but i do think it's interesting that i'm jumping ahead quite a bit of course but in the end uh theo is going to the bar on her night her night off from marriage um 
uh, she's going to the bar and she's, it's with the intention of pursuing that same type of encounter at the beginning. And I don't know if the episode is trying to say that monogamy doesn't really work that well, or if people are not, I don't want to keep saying that people aren't right for each other because it's not that they're not right for each other. It's just that they're in a rut, but it, it just seems kind of, kind of like a strange, uh, message to leave on the, on the episode, but I'll get into that later in this review. Uh, right, for right now, I'm talking about the prologue of the episode. This, this opening sequence where they're, now they're at home and they're playing video games. Um, after, well, after Danny and Theo have sex, they, Danny gets up and he, uh, is seduced to play video games by Carl. Um, and I really like this as a setup for the entire episode. Like we get, we get a glimpse of Roxette and Lance in the game and like we get some, uh, foreshadowing and that Carl is saying that Roxette is going to fuck your head off. Um, and it's a fun kind of camaraderie between the two, the two men. And it's even more, um, indicative of what's to come that Carl is the more physical. Like he's, he's more like he's playfully punching him, grabbing, grabbing the controller and everything. And he's, he's like more, a more physical person. And it's, it's interesting because later in the episode, when they start their relationship in the game, he's the one that initiates it, um, in the game. So I'll talk more about that in a little bit, but after this scene, um, which the prologue that just kind of establishes the status quo of their dynamic, the three of them, their, their relationship as roommates and, and Danny's relationship with Theo, uh, we get a very long jump to 11 years later. And I almost said, <laughs> I almost said, I don't know if we've had like a big time jump like that in Black Mirror, but then I remembered, um, oh wow, uh, Archangel, um, when <laughs> that, that was a pretty big time jump. Um, anyway. So we see Danny flipping burgers on his birthday. He's wearing, <laughs> uh, he's wearing glasses, uh, to quote a John Mulaney bit. He's wearing glasses to show that time has passed. Um, and this is, we get a scene where Danny is introduced to Simon, uh, the spouse of one of Danny's kids friends, mom or something. Uh, it's, it's not convoluted, but it's hard to explain. But, um, and it's a nice example of how hard it is to connect with people in adulthood. I think like we're, we're established here that Danny is now 38 and he kind of struggles to have, to have this conversation with this other adult man, uh, that he's just introduced to. And it's just this really funny kind of awkward scene where he's like trying to make conversation, but not even trying hard to make conversation. He's just trying to, uh, get a, get away from the awkward silence and everything. It's just very awkward and impersonal. And I, I like that. Um, but then Carl arrives and he, Theo answers the door and he reveals that he's single. Um, and it's just, it's like, that's a good setup for the dynamic between Carl and Danny. Uh, they're two characters who are really good friends, obviously, <laughs> um, going to be very good friends here soon, but, uh, he, they, like, they're opposites. They're not, maybe not opposites, but they're different. Like, Danny is in a stable marriage that he has been in for a decade, um, and Carl is, is just, a uh, <laughs> a single guy living his life. Um, but I'll get more into that later. So Danny, we switch back to Danny. Who's looking at the lady, his, his uh, Simon's wife, um, <laughs> looking at her ass as she's crouching down. And it's just, it's subtle. Like I, I love this kind of subtle character development that he is, 
he's bored. I don't think it's necessarily that he's looking for infidelity. He's not looking for uh, an escape from his life or anything. He's just wanting, he's just missing out on uh, a time in his life when he could be single and, and everything. Like he's, he's stable. He, he says later to Carl that he is, um, that, that he's, that he's stable and he's in a, he's in a healthy relationship and everything. But there is that kind of urge within him that's depicted in those looks and everything and those kind of quiet moments where he's just kind of alone where it just seems like it's it's implying that he just wants something more some more adventure in his life um and then enter striking vipers x um <laughs> carl gives him the present and uh it's just it's i, I like that kind of camaraderie and also this Again, like it's another indication of of Carl, um, like what like being more physical. Like he he like Danny goes to shake his hand, and then Carl's like, "No, don't shake my hand, just hug me." And it's just an interesting. I, I don't know what statement it's making. Maybe that he's Danny's just so, um, so used to. I I don't know what it is really. I think Dan, maybe it's supposed to infer that Danny is, um. Or supposed to imply that Danny is uh, more insecure with himself than uh, than than what you would think. Um, I I don't know, but it is interesting that the that Carl is so openly um, uh, physical in his uh, affection, and so Carl tells him that he uh, that he demoed striking vipers in the store in the VR thing and. <laughs> And there were so many, when this episode aired, there were so many memes and everything about striking vipers and everything. Like there was a, there, one of the best ones that I saw was just a picture of, um, (laughs) of Woody and Buzz, uh, from Toy Story, the Toy Story movies. Uh, they're both like, they're like real life dolls, like laying on a couch and they each have the VR headset thing on, on their head, and then uh, and then just like like expressions of glee on their faces, and then the caption was just like you've I've got uh, you've got a friend in me, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. But uh, when they were talking, like I saw a bunch of people talking about how uh, this line <laughs> gets a different meaning when you rewatch the episode, where Carl is like he demoed it in the store and it blew his mind to confetti, and like it gets it gets a different uh, intonation. Um, when when it gives it gives a different meaning when you rewatch it and think like was he was he was he having sex with someone in the game, um, but yeah anyway, uh, so the depiction of the friendship between a married man and a single man it feels very authentic in my opinion like it's just very much like it it's it's highlighting without without making it too bright that there's a difference between them. Like, it's not saying like, we're not having like a simple, like sitcom thing. Like, Oh, you know, married life is, is, is what it is. And my wife is just riding my ass about this. And, uh, uh you're lucky cause you're uh, free to sleep with whoever you want. Like, it's, it's, it's not that surface level. It's more deep in that, uh, Danny is more comfortable and stable, but he is more reticent about, having his emotions out like he is very closed off 
um, on several levels. Like when Carl shows him the, uh, the woman that he's dating on, on, uh, on his phone, like Danny, like quietly, like pushes it aside when, when Theo enters the room. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's like things like that are, are go a long way to establish the difference between the two men in this, in this episode. And I also really found it refreshing that Carl isn't a character who's like, he's not like, it's not setting up as that one is better than the other. Like Carl does have some emotional issues and emotional attachment issues, I should say. And Danny kind of has similar issues, but in a different way. But it's not saying that one is better than the other. It's not saying that you need to be married and have children to be happy. And it's not saying that you can't be happy if you're single and dating and everything. And I, I think that there's a dichotomy there that struck really well in that it's not siding one way or the other. Um, also in this scene, um, I have to laugh at the way that Carl kind of dogs Danny for Danny being out of shape. Um, because I mean, the dude's an Avenger, like you can put glasses and a loose polo on him, but he's still cut. Like, it's like, you can't hide that. Um, so I just kind of got a kick out of that. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting going back to Danny kind of shooing away the phone when Theo comes in, like, even though Theo seems super cool about it and she's like, she doesn't, it doesn't register with her that there's anything wrong with, with Danny looking at like a woman that Carl's dating, um, on the phone. It's just, it just feels like Danny's more insecure and he's, he's more importantly, he's more aware of the rut that they're in. Like he's feeling the sensations of like, okay, well it's not going well. Like it's, it's, they're in a rut. Um, and I feel like that's a depiction of, of that, um, that kind of reticence that Danny has in that kind of, it's almost like this resistance that he expresses that is more like he doesn't want to, he wants to avoid, having that rut that he feels that they're in come to the surface. Um, yeah. So then after that, we get a scene with them in the kitchen, uh, Danny and Theo. I love the kind of casual technology thing. Like um, the dishwasher kind of warns about placing the knives in in the washer like that. And it's just a very simple thing um, in the episode. And that's something that I kind of, I wish there was more of in Black Mirror, um, because I, and I've said this before, but I kind of feel like there's just this, this circular technology thing, like that, that is, there's this cir- uh, circularness, um, to the technology that's represented in Black Mirror, that they f- have like set things that were established like seasons ago, but then they keep coming back to it. Like, for instance, the virtual reality thing, that is, that's the Callister technology. It even says ticker. Um, or TCKR on the box and everything. It's the same, it's literally the same technology as was using Callister and everything. And it's just, I don't know. It just feels like, and also in, in San Junipero as well. Um, it just, it feels like I want them to just do more. I want them to branch out. Like I, that's my biggest problem with this show is that it just seems like they're, they're kind of just recycling the same technology and that's not really that appealing to me. I mean, granted it is different uses of it um, and different stories and everything, but it just still feels just so um, just like lacking of, of uh, the innovative thing that made black mirror so appealing and innovative when it started. 
Um, so cross-cutting from the kitchen scene is that Carl is on his date with the young backing vocalist, and he makes a Dennis Rodman reference that goes completely over her, her head because she's, you know, young. Um, and it just kind of establishes the lack of connection that he has. And I feel like it's a reflection of Danny's interaction with Simon at the party. So Danny, as I said, had that interaction with Simon where it's just quiet and they don't have like much to talk about or anything. And Carl is now on a date with a woman who he doesn't have much to talk about with her. Um, and it's just, it's interesting to kind of demonstrate how kind of isolated he is. Carl is in terms of dating and everything. Well, Danny is also isolated in a different way, even though he has a marriage and kid and family and all that. Um, and speaking of Danny, we get a scene where they're, uh, he and Theo are, um, in bed and they're, talking about having sex because Theo's ovulating and uh, he just skips out on it. He says that he's just not up for it. Uh, Danny isn't. And that is cut with Carl having completely unfulfilling sex with his date. And then that leads to them going to the game. (laughs) And uh, we get our first in-scene game, or first in-game scene, I should say. Um, And this technology, like, I mean... You know, I've said this before and in other iterations of, of, of this, uh, of this technology in the show, but it would just be incredible. Like, um, just being able to play like this type of fighting game in that environment would be really cool. Um, and just the way it's depicted in, in the episode, like one of the reasons why I kind of feel bad dogging the episode for recycling technology because it is a different use of the technology. Like the style of the fighting and the acrobatics in this, in this, uh, opening scene in the game or this first scene in the game, it's impressive and it really sells this hyper realistic gaming aspect of it. It's not like they're, it, like it really sells that they're in a virtual world. Like it does, it doesn't seem like they're just actors in a, in a scene um in a different location or anything it's just it actually sells the gaming aspect of it and i also love the music of it like the music is very much like uh kind of a throwback to like early consoles fighting games uh type of music like electronic kind of music um and so they start playing and they start fighting and everything and i i like the just the I don't know, just the sound design of it. The, like um, when Roxette is kicking him in the face and everything and checking her nails and everything. It's like, it's a really fun, like, like the uh, thwopping noise. Um, but then that is short lived because then we get the, our first romantic encounter between them. And it's interesting that Carl makes the first move because they're kind of rolling around and then Roxette ends up on top of uh, Lance and then she starts kissing him and Danny responds to it. And it's interesting, and it kind of made me wonder, I don't know if the episode is really going for this as a whole, but it seems to be flirting with the idea that Carl may be experiencing some, like, gender dysphoria, um, which I know is a, is a big topic in, like, today with, with trans rights and, 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 like, everything like that. Um, but it's interesting that it doesn't come down one way or the other as, as far as, Carl not knowing it it doesn't it's not something that is explicitly stated in the episode but I think that there are breadcrumbs there that Carl may experience some kind of gender dysphoria like he gets more fulfillment as as a woman in in the game and it I think that there's more to be said there but the episode doesn't really explore that at all but it, I think that it leaves some breadcrumbs there that could be kind of uh picked up and and uh taken to a farther place than the episode allows it um, 
so this first encounter, Danny responds to it, but then he has more guilt over it. And I feel like it's not necessarily homophobia on his part. Instead, I think it's because he's indulging in a fantasy of being with another woman, because I think he has that out as far as like the homosexual aspect of it, that he is basically in doing this, he's having sex in an intimate relationship with a woman in the game. The woman is controlled by his male friend, but in the actual, um, in the actual game setting, it is a woman. Yeah. And then we get our second in game scene shortly after that. And Carl is rock set. I, I love this, this scene where they first get in the game and Carl saying as he's rock set in the game, he says, I'm going to kick your fucking, or I'm going to kick your ass motherfucker. And it's just, it's so, it feels so, uh, purposefully stilted in that it is just this kind of classic like masculine posturing um and it's just like this very like reinforcing the masculine energy of of carl in that moment but then it's immediately shattered because they immediately start having sex and i love that the music changes to this really cool dramatic electronic type of score that's different from the in-game score uh that's a throwback to old uh, console games um but I, I just like the kind of dramatic of it. And that's cut with Theo leaving a bar and seeing the couple making out outside. And it's kind of indicative that she or indicating that she is yearning for this passion. And so she is aware of their rut. She's just not as conscious of it as Danny or hasn't been at the forefront of it because we're following Danny and Carl and everything. And so we get the post the post hookup, the post sex scene where Carl and Danny are sitting uh, in the game and Carl jokes that they're gay now. And it's, it's this kind of weird flirty kind of thing where, where they're like, well, it's a joke. It's, we're not gay. It doesn't feel like a gay thing. And it's just like that first, like that first moment of kind of talking about it. And it's this taboo thing that they're acknowledging um, after their first time having sex in the game. Um, but then that's also short lived because, uh, Danny's son starts kicking him <laughs> and takes him out of the game. And what's interesting about this next scene where Danny's in bed and he's texting, uh, Carl to explain to him that, that Tyler kicked him and he can't, uh, that's why, that's why he had to get out of the game. It's interesting because Danny is already hiding it from Theo. Like he turns the phone off when she comes into the bedroom while he's texting Carl. Like it's a completely, on the surface, it's a completely innocuous text. He's just saying that, hey, Tyler kicked me and I couldn't, I, that's why I had to leave. But there is so much intimacy already in there. And it's this taboo intimacy that Danny is already like concealing it from his wife. Um, as he should, I'll talk about this later, but I, it is, well, I'll talk about it here in a couple seconds, but, um, it is absolutely cheating. Um, I'll talk about that in a bit. So, but after that, we get this kind of montage of Danny and Carl going about their days while thinking about what happened. And it's an interesting way to develop the relationship. Like, their friendship has become something completely different with this game, and it's unprecedented in their lives. And Carl is, it's interesting that Carl is developing it as this emotional connection, while Danny is fighting it as a source of infidelity to his wife. Um, and I said I would talk about it here in a second, and here that second is now. What? 
Um, uh, it is 100% cheating. I don't know if anyone has rationalized it as like, well, it's not really cheating because they're in a game and everything and they know it. Like, it's not, it's not really cheating, but it is 100% cheating on, like, Danny is cheating on Theo. At the least, at the very least, the bare minimum, it is an emotional affair. And the actual physical release he experiences can be explained away, even, even though, I should say, even though the actual physical release he experiences can be explained away as masturbation and porn to an extent, like Carl rationalizes it later in the episode the actual intimacy that Danny is giving to Roxette slash Carl in the game creates a situation in which he can't give any of that intimacy to Theo so it is 100% cheating Um, also that makes me wonder and this is going to come across as crass but I kind of wonder like if it it emulates all physical um, feelings in the game and everything when when they're having sex like do they I, there's no delicate way to say this, but I, do they ejaculate in real life when they, when they have sex in the game? I, that's something that's not very clear or doesn't seem like it's the case, but I just think that that's interesting in a kind of biological level, like how that works. So we get more of a montage after that. And there's a shot of Danny like very quick. I didn't notice this until like probably my third or fourth time watching this episode, but there's a shot of Danny on the couch from, from behind. And, is during the montage after we see Theo looking at herself in the mirror, wondering why Danny doesn't want her anymore, um, which I do think that that's a very uh, good way to show her insecurities and everything. And it's a very good way to kind of just subtly um, tell us what she's what she's thinking without telling us, just showing us what she's thinking. But anyway, right after that, we see that Danny has blocked the door so no one can come in while he's in the game with Carl. And I think that that was a really interesting like small thing like there's like a chair or something that's that's uh blocking the door i thought that was interesting because it's just accelerating or it's um um escalating the degree of secrecy and the guiltiness of danny's actions in this um and kind of to leapfrog over my um or to kind of circle back to my uh, question of whether it's infidelity or not. The next scene in the game is Roxette and Lance discussing, like they're literally, like they're cuddling, they're they're holding each other, and they're discussing what it's like for Carl to be a woman. So, what I found interesting, again, this goes back to the kind of the uh, the way that the episode kind of flirts with depicting gender dysphoria. Uh, Carl's description of the sensations of sex as a woman is pretty clear cut. That he's like that's what he's experiencing. Like he's. I think. I, to be fair, I don't know much about it. I don't know much about gender dysphoria or anything, but I just feel like this is this is the most uh, critical moment in the episode of him experiencing that. But the episode does leave it open-ended. It doesn't explore it after that, like, at all. Um, so I, I think it's just kind of left up to interpretation. But it is interesting that they kind of flirt with that a little bit. But I, I don't want to say more importantly, but in terms of the plot of the episode... Uh, they're cuddling and they're sharing and they're, they're sharing emotional intimacy. And that is the most damning evidence of it being an, an, a source of infidelity for, uh, Danny's, uh, marriage and everything. And then the next scene, we get Theo texting Danny that she got a babysitter and, uh, and, uh, for their anniversary. And he didn't remember that it was uh, her, their anniversary. And I like the kind of coldness and, the hurt of Theo's response and what she says, uh, it was for the wedding anniversary. Thanks for that. Um, it's good development that sets the stage for their conversation at the restaurant. It shows that they're, that rut that they were in has grown into a rift that is 
kind of bubbling at the surface. And it's also interesting to note that when Theo texts Danny at first and says that she got a babysitter, she signs it with an X. And later in the episode, uh, 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 Danny texts Carl and he, he's, he's not sure if she, like he, he wrestles with whether to put X on it or not. And it's just, it's an interesting kind of, uh, thing that the episode does showing that he's like Danny's insecure. He's not sure like what, what it is between them. He's like, he's experiencing it just like Carl is, but he is more reticent to it because he doesn't know what it means. Um, whereas Carl is more, more, uh, he's more willing to make it an emotional thing because he doesn't have anything else that is fulfilling to him on an emotional level. So anyway, Danny texts Carl to cancel on him. And it's interesting that you can see that Carl has sent a couple of texts to Danny to confirm their plans for the night. And it shows an eagerness because this relationship is the only, like I said, it's the only fulfilling thing in Carl's life. Um, and before they meet for their anniversary, Theo gets hit on at the bar. Um, and I think that that's, I mean, it's setting the stage for the, for the, uh, uh, for the kind of open marriage thing at the end of the episode, but it's interesting that she's finding that, as she says in the in the in the restaurant scene, she's like she she wants that because it some kind it would give her some kind of passionate release. Um, but the actual restaurant scene where they're talking after dinner, like I just think it's it's such a good scene. It's I don't know if I'd say it's my favorite scene of the episode, but it is a really good scene from a dialogue perspective. Like it starts out with this very silent scene between them and it's just showing that their rut, their rift has come to the forefront. And instead of being this overly dramatic, like emotionally climactic scene for the characters, it's interesting that, that Theo starts talking openly about their problems with Danny and, and he just kind of deflects for the most part. And what I love about it is that like I said, it's not, it's an emotionally climactic scene, but it's not overly dramatic. It's completely character based. And it's something that I love so much about this show. And although it is a climactic encounter, it becomes this frank discussion that Theo has with her husband in which she is very open about her feelings. And it's just a shame that he doesn't respond to it. He is, he's, he's deflecting and, and not, uh, bringing it, bringing the, uh, um, the rift the attention that it needs. And it's because he's not sure what this means. He's not sure what this relationship he has with Carl in the game is. Um, and it's an interesting kind of way. I, I love Anthony Mackie's performance in this because he is this very, uh, internal character who's struggling with so much. Um, he plays it really well. And so kind of cutting away from the restaurant thing to kind of show the other, the other side of it, Carl is having issues in the bedroom and he, like he can't finish when he's having sex with, with, uh, I don't know if that was the backing vocalist or another woman. I can't remember, but she does say like, you're worried about your work again. And it shows that it's a common issue. It's something that is, you know, something that, uh, is a, is a constant problem for Carl. Maybe not constant, probably constant, but it is a recurring problem for Carl in real life. And I think that that's interesting. And that also plays into the gender dysphoria kind of angle of it. Um, because he can't, if he can't perform, but he can perform in the game as, as a woman, it 
there's something there, I think. Um, but I do like the bit of comic relief in that she says, uh, mind if I finish myself off? And then she starts masturbating to porn next to him in bed. I thought that was a really good piece of levity to the episode. Um, yeah, and then they have their breakup scene. Uh, Danny puts the game away. He hides it in a cupboard. I think a closet would have probably been too on the nose. Um, but he tells Carl that they can't do it. And Carl responds with this, like he's kind of pleading with him that, you know, we need to keep doing it. Like it's, it's a good thing. It's good what we're doing. Um, but Danny is not, uh, uh, receptive to it. So then they break up basically in, in the game and, uh, presumably they don't talk in real life after that. So yeah, then we get our next time jump to seven months later, uh, in this seven months later jump, Wow. Um, <laughs> we see that Carl is still alone. He's frustrated, angry, um, just kind of going about his day, just doing nothing. Uh, Theo is pregnant and Danny is more attentive to the family. And I find it interesting that this, that this episode is doing so many time jumps and everything, but we need that for the evolution of the, of the relationship and all of the drama surrounding it. Um, so it's, and it's also centered around Danny's birthday. And we find out that Theo invited Carl over for dinner for his birthday um, as a surprise. And Danny's reaction to Carl arriving, like Theo goes to the door and it, the camera just fixes on Danny's face. It's interesting. It's it's knowing that his world could potentially collapse right here. And it's still under this kind of notion of it being an infidelity of an affair that is coming to the forefront, even though it is just his friend coming over. Um, and in the actual dinner scene, we see Theo is driving the conversation and Danny and Carl aren't really talking at all. Um, but then she leaves to get dessert and that's when, uh, Danny and Carl have a conversation and Danny asks what he's doing here and everything. And, I like that Carl says, what, a, what am I like your ex-wife or something? And Danny just kind of rationalizes it or, or he kind of gets to the point where he just says, it's just too strange. And Carl kind of retorts to that, um, or responds to that by saying that it's what's strange is that nothing compares. And this is also a, a moment where it kind of is, uh, not very clear, but like it, I don't know. It's like the episode doesn't want it to, what well, not doesn't want it to be, but it's, uh, this next line that, that Carl says is, uh, evidence against it being about gender dysphoria for him. Uh, because he says, I played as guy players, girl players, multiplayer gangbangs, and nothing, nothing compared to you. Um, which maybe that's not necessarily an indictment of, or not an indictment, but a, uh, an example of not being, um, about gender dysphoria because it could still be. But anyway, um, then we get the famous line that everyone latched onto on social media that he says that he also fucked a polar bear. <laughs> and he says, I fucked a polar bear, and a polar bear, and I still couldn't get you out of my mind. Um, I just, I, I like that. It's, I mean, social media kind of ran with it when, when the episode aired as like, Oh my God, this, this line is ridiculous and everything. Or as a, I don't know, it became a meme. But I, I love it. No, I, I love it uh, regardless. Um, and then, so after the scene, like like Danny pushes him away and everything, and it's just very kind of 
calm. Like it's very hidden, uh, hidden anger for Theo's benefit. Um, and then when Carla's leaving, Theo insists that they hug and, um, she says, guys can be so awkward. And I just, I like that. That's like a fun commentary on the idea that men can't embrace their emotions without questioning their masculinity, or they can't even embrace each other without it being like a question of their masculinity. Um, I just, I like that as a, as a nice dig at the kind of social norms of, of masculine identity and everything. Um, but then Carl also tells him like midnight, she'll be in the game. Um, and we get like, Danny does it like he goes into the game and it's, it's really intense. Like there's, they're having like rougher, more aggressive sex. And it feels like it's a lot of, because it's a lot of build up and everything. And I feel like that is kind of a callback to earlier in the episode when Danny is, uh, when Danny first, uh, declines sex with Theo after his birthday. Um, when he says it's better to let it build up, like this is the kind of, um, this is the built up thing that they had. And, Carl as Roxy lets slip the L word and says, I love this. I love you. And Danny retreats. And it's this, it's like his worst fear come to light. It's this emotional intimacy that's coming to a head and coming to the forefront. And he's freaking out and he says, where the fuck does this go? And he tells Carl to meet him in real life to settle it for 30, like in 30 minutes, meet me, uh, behind the club and we're going to, we're going to settle this. Um, so we get this confrontation scene and I want to break here and just say that I love that the promotional image for this episode, like one of the images that they released that Netflix released, um, before any information about the episode came out was an image of, Anthony Mackie and uh, I'm going to butcher his name again. I don't have it in front of me. Um, Yaya standing in the rain, staring at each other, kind of staring each other down. It's this very intense look that they're giving each other. And I, I love the misdirect of that because you see that picture before knowing anything about the episode and you just immediately assume it's two men staring each other down in the rain. They're going to have like an altercation of some kind and the actual like the actual context of it is flipping it on flipping that on its head that Danny and Carl have to kiss to figure out what's happening to them to figure out if it, if their connection is in the game only or if this is a real thing that they need to confront in person um i just i love i love that i don't know if that was an intentional thing from the marketing team or from for the promotional team for Netflix um uh, but i just i love that i thought that was really uh a really fun thing. Cause I never would have thought like when I saw that picture, uh, like I never would have thought like, Oh, I bet that they're going to have to kiss to find out if they're in love with each other. <laughs> so Danny and Carl have to have to kiss. They agree to that. And Danny is, is more, you know, uh, held back on it. And Carl asked if he wants him to start, which I think is an interesting reflection of how, the, like how their dynamic is in the game as well. Um, because Carl is the one that initiated the first kiss in the game. And I do like the, like the bit of physicality that, uh, Yaya, is that how you pronounce his name? I'm, I'm going to feel terrible. Um, I'm scrolling up, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just assume that if, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. But, uh, I love the physicality that Yaya brings to the scene where he is kind of playfully, playfully punching at Danny as he's kind of going in to kiss him. I, I think that was a really interesting choice of physicality for the actor. Um, 
and so they kiss and it's a very chaste kiss it's it's nothing intense or anything um and they both agree that they didn't feel anything and i feel like this moment is everything for this episode i feel like carl i i feel like it is so open to interpretation um and it is is very open ended my read of it is that i feel like carl is lying um i think i really think that carl feels something when he kisses danny but he's lying in an effort to save Danny and his marriage, um, and, uh, potentially preserve what they have in the game. Um, uh, this is evidenced by earlier in the game when they're, or earlier in the episode when they're in the game and they're kind of talking about, um, they're, they're cuddling and everything. Uh, Roxette as Carl says, I know what you're thinking. Um, and that's what brought them to the discussion about what it's like to be, to feel the sensations of a woman in the game. And I think that that moment where Carl says, I know what you're thinking was setting up this moment in particular after they kiss. Cause Carl looks at Danny and like he can see, like he knows what Danny is thinking and he knows that it's best for him to not reveal his emotional connection and everything. Um, that's my read of it. It could be just completely, it could be completely literal as written that they both didn't feel anything. Um, so yeah, um, alternately, maybe they both felt something and they're both lying, but I don't really have anything to back that up or anything. Um, but that doesn't solve it because Carl still can't get it out of his head. He still is, is telling Danny that you got to admit that it's different in the game. And so they fight and then they get, you know, picked up by the police. Um, then we get, this is kind of rushing toward the end of the episode, but Theo Bale's Danny out or picks him up. I, I it's a little this is nitpicking, but it's kind of weird that they would he would be at the police station anyway because like I don't see well, I don't know. Um I I don't know because I can't imagine anyone would like either one of them would press charges or anything. Well, I don't know. It's it's all muddied, but Theo bails him out and picks him up and everything, and he still won't talk to her in the car, and that's where she just kind of loses it and gets angry, which I thought that was funny. Um because it's she's asking him to talk to him while their kid is in the back seat. And it's like maybe he doesn't want to say it in front of the kid, but I do get it. Like she gets angry because he still won't talk to her. Um, but he finally does, and I like that we get that we don't see the dialogue, that we don't see the conversation that they have. Like instead, it just flashes forward to its final like jump. But uh, I like that because <laughs> because maybe it would shatter the realism of the episode. Like to have Danny actually say verbally out loud that he is having sex with with Carl in a game uh, as a woman, or as Carl as a woman and him as a as as a man. Uh, it's just it would maybe break the break the uh, realism of the episode. So we get our final flash forward uh, or or time jump to Danny's birthday. Um, it's the denouement of the episode scored by not, uh, by, uh, the song, not one minute more by Earl Grant. Um, and it just shows happy family life for Danny and Theo. Um, and then we see Carl has a cat, which I found super relatable. Um, dude's alone. He's single. And so he finds, um, he finds comfort and solace in the companion of a cat. And I have a cat and I love my cat and I'm single and I live alone. So I get it. Um, so Danny and Theo swap boxes and we're, we see that the birthday gift to 
Danny is the game and Theo takes off her wedding ring and goes to a bar. So I, I like that kind of dialogue where it's just very, very subtle where it's, um, where Theo just tells Danny, I want that back in the morning. And Danny just says, ditto. And so we see she goes to the bar and, and he and, uh, Carl have sex in the game and it's this yearly thing. Um, it, that's what the episode leaves on. And that's, that's the episode itself. Um, what I find interesting, it talks about, they talk about it in the EW interview that I'm going to link in the show notes, but it's an interesting way to, um, end the episode. Cause it doesn't seem like it's, it's really, um, coming down one way or the other, or, um, uh, really making a, making a, uh, concrete ending to this, to this drama and everything, because we see that, we see that Carl looks forward to this date every year. Like it's, it's, there's an X on his calendar and he is ready for it and everything. Um, and there is this, and they talk about this in the interview, but there's this kind of weird, um, disparity between the two between like this open marriage thing uh danny is allowed to have sex with carl in the game once a year and theo is allowed to go to a bar and and uh and is allowed to hook up with someone in real life it's just it's a really muddled kind of messy kind of thing um which charlie brooker does um address in the ew interview but i just find it interesting that it's just it's interesting because there's, it's more risk for Theo, obviously, um, in terms of, you know, any number of things and diseases and I don't know. Anyway, um, that's the episode, <laughs> um, as far as trivia and everything. Um, I'm going to read some excerpts from the, uh, from the interview that EW did. Um, most, uh, specifically about the, the ending. So, EW asked Brooker, uh, I sort of felt like the ending is meant to be a happy one, but their annual polyamory band-aid solution seems like one that might not work long-term. Ultimately, is this marriage really a satisfying one? And Brooker said, and I quote, I think it's a pragmatically romantic ending. Once a year, he gets a free pass to go into the game and she gets to indulge her fantasy and hers arguably places more jeopardy on the relationship since it's in the real world, or we assume it is. I thought that was really interesting. Um, there's a lot of trust there. They're allowing themselves one day to indulge their selfish fantasies in exchange for 364 days of union and fidelity and faithfulness, and they're raising a family. There's a theme throughout where he's not communicating directly to with his wife and not sharing with her, and that's perhaps why this whole situation has come about. So by the end, their relationship is a lot healthier because they're discussing their wants and needs. It works for them in the in the time we see uh, in the time we see it because there's an equality to it. That's obviously not a one size fits all solution. What if she falls in love with the guy she meets in the bar? Uh, and Yaya's character's existence is fairly lonely. He's clearly one, uh, waiting for this one day a year, so he's sort of in limbo too. And I feel like that is end quote by the way. <laughs> and I feel like that's it's a fine rationalization, I guess, or fine uh, explanation. I just don't think that it is the cleanest cut or the cleanest ending to a Black Mirror episode. I kind of wish that there was maybe a little bit more resolved, but I mean, it's it's fine the way it was. Um, yeah, and some trivia for this episode. We do see uh, some uh, hints, I get like in the opening scene uh, where they're playing and in the, in the flashback or when they were in college or not in college, after college, um, 
when they're playing the old game, uh, we see Tundra, the polar bear, as one of the options. Uh, yeah. And uh, the I mentioned that the TCKR is the VR system and everything. It says it on the box. But also on the on the Striking Vipers X box that he gets, uh, you see it that you can see at the top left hand corner that it is uh, it says Sato Gimu. Uh, uh, which is a reference to Playtest uh, from Season 3, I believe, or Season 4, uh, 2016. Um, so Season 3, yeah, Season 3, um, which is a play t- uh, reference to Playtest and that the uh, the character that's a video game developer in Playtest is Sho Seitu, Shao Seitu, Seito. Um so yeah, so that's that's Striking Vipers. Overall, I think that this is, of the three episodes that were released in Season 5 of Black Mirror, I do like this one the most. Um, I haven't rewatched the other two nearly as much as this one, obviously, because uh, I haven't prepped them yet for the recording, but I do find this to be the most interesting and the most uh, integral to character development uh, of the three episodes. And... I love it when Black Mirror shows technology, even though it's a kind of recycled technology. It's a it's an interesting angle for it or an interesting use of it. Um, and I mean, compared to what we see later in the season, like Smithereens is a completely technology free, like like it's not a futuristic thing. It's present day uh, thereabouts. So overall thoughts on Striking Vipers. I liked it a lot. Um, it is still... I mean, it's it's not the best Black Mirror episode by any stretch, but it is an interesting evolution of the Black Mirror aesthetic and the goal that presumably Black Mirror is going for in telling these interesting character-based stories in this un, uh, with these uh, character-driven stories with technology at the in the background or at the forefront that is disrupting their lives in in unique ways. Um, so yes, yeah, so I think that'll do it for this episode, this bonus episode of Anthology. Thank you guys so much for listening. And again, thank you guys for welcoming me back, welcoming me back to the uh, podcasting world for this show. Um, it's good to be back now that we're, you know, in isolation and everything from COVID-19. Um, I'm hoping to do like more extensive anthology podcasting. Um, once again, like I said last time, uh, hope you guys are staying safe, staying, staying healthy, staying inside, all that stuff. Um, yeah, and I hope that uh, these podcasts are giving you a nice uh, break from uh, the weird reality we're in. So next up on the podcast, I'm going to be on the main feed. I'm going to be talking about um, Will the Real Martian Please Stand Up? Uh, it was the 28th episode of the second season of the Twilight Zone. Um, it's an iconic episode. Um, I'm going to do my best to tackle it and uh, share my initial impressions and my overall thoughts on it. Uh, looking forward to that. And then, of course, I'll have another bonus episode shortly covering Smithereens, which is episode two of Black Mirror Season 5. Until then, thank you guys once again so much for like downloading, supporting me and everything and listening. And uh, I'll see you guys next time. Anthology is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to anthologypod.com archive. 
You can also like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash anthologypod and follow the show on Twitter at OVAnthologyPod. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at anthologypod.com slash donate, or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. Official Anthology merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, can be found in the Obsessive Viewer's Tee Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at anthologypod.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at teepublic.com. For information about the Obsessive Viewer's annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find our flagship movie and TV review and discussion show, The Obsessive Viewer Podcast, at obsessiveviewer.com, and on Twitter at obsessiveviewer. You can also find Tower Junkies, a podcast where Matt and co-host Tiny share their love of all things Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series, over at TowerJunkiesPod.com and at TowerJunkiesPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at TheSecularPerspective.com. Bumper music for this podcast comes courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. You can also find As Good As It Gets music on Spotify, Google Play, and iTunes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Kitty! Kitty!